So Money Episode 652, Latham Thomas, Oprah's Super Soul 100 and founder of Mama Glow. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Want to learn how to get two hours of sleep in 20 minutes? You're listening to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, two hours of sleep in 20 minutes, plus how to earn more and all that good stuff. This could be the podcast to top all podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. I might just do a big mic drop after this show. I don't know. You be the judge. All I do know is that my guest today is a superwoman. Latham Thomas has been named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100 alongside superhumans like Ava DuVernay, Dr. Brene Brown, Deepak Chopra, and others. Latham Thomas is a wellness guru and founder of Mama Glow, a lifestyle brand that offers inspiration, education, and holistic services for moms and moms-to-be. She encourages them to mother themselves first. I'm all for that. Latham also is an author. She launched a new book earlier this fall called Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. Yeah, so back to that two hours of sleep in 20 minutes. Listen, I tried it. It works. Here you go. You're welcome. Here's Latham Thomas. Latham Thomas, welcome to So Money. Mama Glow herself, she's here. Thank you so much for having me, Farnoosh. Yay! <laughs> we were just saying, ladies and gentlemen, that Latham and I, we have many friends in common. We both live in New York City. We're both obsessed with wellness and lifestyle, yet we have never met, although we've been um, getting an earful about each other probably for many years. And I'm just so excited to finally have you on the show and connect with you as I'm connecting you with all these other people listening. And um, it's a real treat. So thank you again. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. You are the founder, right, of mamaglow.com, mm-hmm. and you are all over the place, uh, really have created and cornered a market for a really ha- wonderful market for mothers and mothers to be on all things, baby wellness. How did you get interested in this area? I mean, we all need this information and you've, you deliver it in such a wonderful and digestible way. How did you get your start? Well, it started with the birth of my son, who's now 14. Um, When I was pregnant with him 15 years ago, if you could imagine, the internet was not what it is today. People did not go to the internet to find an OBGYN. They certainly didn't go to pick out a doula or baby gear. You just went through recommendations. You went to stores. It was a very different experience. I found my... um, At the time, I was searching for an OB, so I found her through the telephone book, which is like a total relic now. What's that? What is that, (laughs) right? Like my son wouldn't even know. He'd probably think it was a step stool or something. So um, I go into the telephone book. I find this great person. And then all of a sudden, uh, reach out and find out that she's booked for like eight months. And I was like, how is this possible? Um, The most important time in a woman's life that... 
it's impossible to find someone to carry her through that process. And um, at that moment, a kind of little bell went off that this is something that I need to look into because it kind of seems a little bit difficult terrain to, to traverse by yourself. And I know that in any other life event and any other sort of significant um, challenge that we experience in life, we always have support. And how come in this juncture, in this major life event, it didn't seem like there was that many um, opportunities for handholding. And so I sought to create um, the rudiments of Mama Glow, and that would be um, from the nutrition side, the yoga, and then the birth doula services would come much later. But um, those for me were like the three pillars of um, where I saw the needs for women really trying to get on track with diet and lifestyle and um, and also finding some form of fitness as well as uh, stress management and then um, obviously someone to hold their hand through the birth process. Did you have experience starting a business and a multifaceted one at that? I mean, what were you doing before that gave you the confidence in yourself to know that you could execute this? I mean, it's one thing to have an idea, right? It's another mm-hmm. to really bring it to the masses in in a, in a successful way. Right. So the answer is no. I had no business background, no business experience. Um, I'm a really great um, idea maker. I'm really creative. I grew up in a creative household. I was always problem solving from an early age and using um, the arts as sort of a um, backdrop for a lot of my problem solving. And so um, I thought I would be a scientist. Um, I actually thought I would be a biologist and went to um, Columbia University where I studied um, environmental sciences. And while I was studying, actually getting a lot of my science stuff out the way, I just learned really early on that I wasn't suited. (laughs) I just, you know, like bring friends to the labs and we'd be up late and it would be loud. And people were like, oh my God, like this is not a social event. And I'm like, you know, I can't even be doing this. (laughs) Like, this is just not going to be my life. Like these These are not my people. (laughs) These are not my people. This is not my tribe. I'm not going to be quiet in a lab somewhere. So, um, although I was really skilled in that arena, also having grown up in you know, in California where I had access to the outdoors. And so I learned a lot about set plant systems and botany at an early age. So for me, the experience of um, life cycles and life sciences was something that um, bled into this this uh, interest as well as I would say became an obsession around um, women's health and and particularly the childbearing years. I did have um, a seed planted when I was four years old. My mom um, was pregnant at the time with my sister, my great aunt, and then my um, uncle's wife, like one of my aunt, another aunt was pregnant all at the same time. And they were due within a a month of each other. So there was all these women walking around with bellies that are at the height of like my, you know, eye line. So everywhere I looked, I was looking at like a belly in my face. So um, I kind of was very interested at that point. And my cousin and I, who were, um, you know, very close in age, would just sort of mimic our dramatic play around what we saw. And so we would stuff little Cabbage Patch dolls um, under our shirts and deliver each other's babies. And so nowadays, um, I, I think that I can attribute that experience of having a mom who was really just 
open and upfront about the birth process with me and about the strength of a woman's body um, at an early age. So I didn't have any uh, issues or any weird um, perceptions or uh, mistruths about the body. So I think I had a very healthy relationship early on with the birth process. Um, so fast forward, it was my time, right? I was pregnant with my son. And um, I think the, the, the thing that felt most uh, just I think it was like more than um, the business aspect of it. It was really like a, a need to fulfill a um, a space that was like wide open. And I think that um, sometimes people have this um, naivete that compels them. And it's healthy because if you didn't have that, if you had all the business acumen and you're doing everything the right way, you might not actually let yourself take the leap, right? You might not necessarily go down the path of starting a business because there's so many obstacles and um, there's a lot of challenge involved. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's like when you have a baby, like you don't sleep a lot, you know, when you have a new business, you don't sleep, you know, it's like you're around the clock working on things. Um, you the don't less have you know, the better. <laughs> yes, the less exactly. you know about the reality the of starting. Less, you know, the this better. is why I don't start other businesses because I interview people like you and other successful entrepreneurs and they get very honest about the behind the scenes, which I appreciate and is important for us to share. But then I go home and I'm like, yeah, I really want to start things, but man, I really like to sleep too. Right? Like rest <laughs> I like to amazing. <laughs> I know. Um now you have a great new book out recently released, Latham. By the way, I love your name. Where is there something special behind your first name? There is. Um it's actually my grandmother's maiden name. And um, it means barn dweller, which is kind of interesting because it's like the last place that you would find me. But um, my grandmother recently passed away. And so now I really hold, I mean, obviously I've been called that my whole life, but now it obviously takes on um, another meaning with um, my granny sort of like looming over and protecting me now. Oh, that is so, so special. And I'm sure she is so proud. Your new book, speaking of being proud, your new book is called Own Your Glow. Yes. And I have to say, as a mother, it's hard to find your glow in the first place. I'm owning my overwhelm right now. <laughs> I'm owning my stress. I'm owning uh, you know, my hecticness. But I do have moments of feeling beautiful and whole. And I'm going to stop you right there, Farnoosh. You are beautiful. Okay. You are radiant. You imbue a sense of confidence and like kick-assness and badassery. I am not taking for one second that you kind of feel in your beauty. You are always embodied as beautiful. I have never seen you like walking around not looking amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, then there you have it, everybody. Late Thomas said I was glowing. So <laughs> it's glowing. official. It's official. Right. <laughs> what, what What is the inspiration behind this book? And, you know, if there's one thing that you want women to walk away feeling, believing after reading this, what is it? Yeah. So the inspiration was really, um, you know, the modern woman that I feel like is really um, fraught with anxiety around like, 
who she is or who she is to become. And I wanted to help women return home to themselves to feel a sense of um, well-being in reconnecting to who they are inside. And um, part of that is embracing um, self-care as a, as a pathway to empowerment, um, really owning their own stories. You know, I think so often and for so long in, in culture, we've um, inherited a narrative of really taking on what people want for us rather than what we want for ourselves and, and, um, and living out other people's dreams instead of our own truths. Um, this is really about us reconnecting to those messages within and um, the ones that are like latent that want to come to the surface to tell our own truth. It's about, you know, fiercely owning every aspect of yourself, even the things that, you know, are in the recesses and corners that you don't really want to acknowledge about yourself, but that make you wholly who you are. Um, it's about, you know, embracing other women and sisterhood and being in connection to rise up and, and change like this, this world that we live in. And, um, and most importantly, I think it's really an invitation for women to reconnect with, um, this idea of, uh, of wonder, right. Of play, of pleasure, of all these aspects that we kind of throw to the side because we're so busy hustling or working or raising the kids or whatever it is that we, um, we put a lot of stuff that makes us have a fuller life on the back burner. And so, um, I'm asking you to actually put it on the front burner and let it simmer all the way up and like boil over and, um, and play in that, like get, get your hands dirty really. So, um, and, and it's an exploration. It's an opportunity to explore and excavate and get deeper into who you are. So it's also, in like the fashion that I like to write snackable. So even though there's like depths that I take you, like a lot of the information is like, okay, this is something I can apply right now. Um, so give us an example. What are, what is something that I can do right now? Yeah. I have two kids under the age of three and a half, mm -hmm. um, sleep schedule, sleep patterns are all over the place. We, you know, you go through a period of like everyone's sleeping through the night and then yeah. no one's sleeping through the night. Right. And then it's the fall. It's back to school. There's so much going on. I, I will say you might be proud of me. I just sent out an email to all my mom friends in the neighborhood. And I was like, we're getting drinks on October 17th. Yes. It's happening. I already made, I reserved a table. Be there or be square. See, you just and did one of the actions. I mean, okay. making time for yourself, right? That's self-care, right? So it's not just, self-care is not just about like, you know, making a spa appointment or getting your nails done or a blowout, but it is about creating boundaries, right? Like you need to have time for yourself to do things that you enjoy, to talk um, with adults about adult things and not just talk to three-year-olds um, and watch like cartoons that are aimed at, toddlers, right? Like you need to hang out with people that you can have really stimulating conversation with and fill yourself up that way. Um, I also like that you didn't just say, Hey guys, this could be a cool idea. You set a date, you actually created action around it. Right. So it wasn't just like, this could be fun. It's like, here's what we're doing. And there's a table reserved and here's a date and who's in. Right. So it makes it like there's a commitment involved. So you've committed to yourself as well as the other, these other people who are going to show up and you're going to have a great night. Um, 
what I would say for you, just off of what you shared with having the little ones and, and, you know, the, the frenetic back to school energy and just, um, you know, like a sense of being, you said overwhelmed. I want you to get to a place where you're just feel whelmed, not overwhelmed, but just whelmed. Right. And I think that you can get there by um, punctuating your day with moments for recharge. So I'm going to give an example of um, my iPhone. And I'm giving this example because I feel like I am so good. And I know a lot of people are too that are listening at making sure that when I go someplace, I know where the outlets are. I know what the Wi-Fi is. I know if there's a charger or not, if I need to bring one, like all of this stuff we do in preparation to make sure that we don't get to that little uh, signal where it's like 20% and it's like in the red and you start having like palpitations because your phone's going to die. every day, by right? the way. Every day. So, <laughs> but, but guess what? You always find some place to get your phone charged up. And because we, we're listening and trying to figure out and make sure that like we don't get caught out there with nothing and we're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? We don't do this for ourselves though. Like you'll be on 20% running on fumes. And your body's right. like, I need to rest. And you're like, oh, but let me just do this one last thing. Oh, but let me just, oh, but let me bake the cookies for the cook, you know, bake sale. Oh, let me just, we always push ourselves. We don't listen to the signal that the batteries are running low, right? That we need to recharge. So we're really better at doing it for our smartphone devices than we are for ourselves. And that's sad. But at the same time, we know that we have the ability to put our attention there. So why don't we just transfer that energy to ourselves. So start to listen to the signals that your body gives of fatigue, right? And it's different for everyone, but pretty much like there's the fogginess and thinking, there's the, you know, the yawning, the, um, the lack of focus. Um, sometimes there's moodiness, right? So there's a lot of things that can give you a, um, a clue. And one really quick tip that I love that can really help to recharge you when you do feel fatigue or overwhelm is um, called leg drain. I know it sounds crazy, but it's so awesome and it's really easy to do. So you can be at your home, in the office, in your kid's room, you can be in an airport. And what you do is you lie on the floor on your back and you... Uh, take your legs up the wall, about 45 degrees up the wall so that you have this little right, um, not a right angle, but like a 45 degree angle, right? And then you allow your feet to just rest against the wall. You can have your legs straight in a line or you can rest the soles of the feet together and splay the knees out to the side so you make a diamond with your legs. Um, but whatever feels good for you. But you hang out there for 20 minutes with your legs elevated like that above the heart on the wall. 20 minutes is equivalent to a two hour nap. And that's what huge. I know. Because your legs are in the air? Yes. Because your legs are rested there. Because what happens is it flushes blood and lymph back up to the heart, right? Fairly quickly. And you're lying flat and you're relaxing. And so all this blood and all this, um, you know, uh, movement out of the legs and, and draining back up to the heart and the motion in the cycle that it does, um, actually helps to reset your circadian rhythm. So if you're someone who is traveling right internationally or across, um, you know, uh, date lines or not even date lines, it could just be, you know, going, um, 
transcontinentally, you might find that or trans um, around the country, across the country. So say you're in like Cali going to New York and that three hours makes a difference for you, then this is something that you can do, right? But you don't have to do it just when you're traveling. People are fatigued on a daily basis. You can do this like for 20 minutes before you get on a conference call or, you know, while you're waiting to pick up your kid from school or when your baby's supposed to go down for a nap, you can also lay down and do that and they can be next to you. So it's a really quick recharge and promise you it'll change your life. Just integrate it. You can do it like once a day. You can do it more than once, but definitely once a day. And even if you don't fall asleep, um, what happens is that you're still activating um, your parasympathetic nervous system, which will reverse the stress response in your body, send happy hormones into your bloodstream and really create the sense of calm and well-being. So that would be like a really great tip for you that's actionable. And I think for a lot of people who are probably listening. Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. You just gave me the tease for this podcast. Listen to Latham and learn how to get 22 hours of sleep in 20 minutes. There you go. <laughs> That's going to make your brain do a backwards flip. Um, I'm going to try this probably when we get off the phone. Yes. <laughs> All you need is 20 minutes. You were, you were Latham, among many other uh, accolades and honors, you uh, are a member of Oprah's Super Soul 100. Can you give us... First of all, congratulations. That's amazing and not a surprise. But I'm, I, I always like to ask people when there's any connection to Oprah, like how did that happen? Did you, how, what was it like meeting her? Um, and yeah, tell us everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Oprah is like, um, I mean, she like floats on air. I don't even think she, I don't even think she touches the ground. She like hovers over the ground and like the grass kind of like sways, like, let me go this way. Here's her foot coming down. I mean, I think that there's just like a, a an airiness, but also such a strong presence that she carries with her. And um, she commands a room, as you would think, um, in watching her, how she uh, shows up for television and interviews. Um She's incredibly comforting and creates uh, this sense of um, like safety and comfort. Like there's just something about her and it's not just like this aura that everybody sees around her and believes her to be. And, you know, I know she has this kind of um, almost like mythical uh 
attribute, you know, of like being just like holy. And she, she does come across like that, but it's not even that. It's just like how she is, even when she's talking about like, you know, what she had for dinner last night, you know what I mean? She just carries herself in a certain way. That's, um, really quite, um, uh, interesting and remarkable in terms of her personality and, and her way with people. And, um, you know, when we, when, when, first of all, when I got the letter, um, it was hand signed by her and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And, um, I think my heart's palpitating. And then, um, you know, she invited us to come to, uh, LA to be a part of this, um, this experience that she was doing called the super soul sessions and to attend that. And then also spend Sunday for a brunch with the super soul 100. And we got to all meet each other and many of the people I knew and had relationships with. And then a lot of the people I didn't, um, I ended up meeting a lot of the like young millennials and sitting at what I considered like, um, you know, the kids table at Thanksgiving where I was just like with all of these like young badasses, like, um, Amanda Stenberg and Zendaya and, um, uh, who else was like, there was a bunch of young, Oh, Sophia Bush and I sat together and, um, uh, it was just a great group of, of, of like young, excited, um, people who were, creating change and, um, and just being like positive and doing their work in the world. And so, uh, the brunch was amazing. And then we did this shoot for her September issue and this was like last year. So it was really awesome. But more than that, I think the support that they give, you know, they have had me come in and do a series of videos around wellness and, and specifically the philosophies that I share with people. Um, which has aired on OWN and on uh, social as well. And um, I'm really grateful for that. I think that obviously any, you know, as we know, like um, in business, relationships are currency and any sort of um, anything that you can use to leverage more for yourself in terms of um, an advantage or to get a door to open for you or to get a seat at the table is obviously amazing. Right. And we don't always have these things. So it's important when people reach back and pull us up and allow us to actually now walk into certain rooms um, because of the uh, weight that their name might carry or their brand. Um, And I think the same goes for those of us who people look up to that they think we're like, I'm not even getting anything right. And people reach out and I'm like, why do you want to learn from me? Or why do you want to talk to me? I'm not doing anything right. But it's great because at the same time, like we were once there, right where they are. And so it's my commitment also to reach back and make sure that I, um, I can help people who really want to invest in, uh, actually growing them themselves and their businesses, um, that I, that I help them in the way that I've been helped. So I just appreciate the, um, the, the acknowledgement obviously, but also the association really helps, as you know, like these things always take us a little bit further, um, than we could have gone on our own. So I think those are kind of some of the, the great things about, um, having been able to work with them.
Yeah. What was the Oprah effect for you? <laughs> you no, know, I, it's hard to say because, um, I think that, you know, my book's just coming now. And so there was, I had like nothing really to sell really when it came out. So it was, I mean, people just were like, oh yeah, okay. The doula, you know, so it was like more like, um, a halo effect of, 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 um, you know, acknowledgement. Um, but I do think that, um, yeah, just, I think it was more like it helped me if I reach out to someone cold, for instance, I think it'll help. Or if, um, if someone introduces, they like to use that because it, it might make people listen more. Like if you're on a conference panel or people don't know who you are, these kind of things just help. So I think that, um, I, I can't see, I can't like really say there was a measurable effect on something, but I can definitely say that it has, um, it's like a blessing to add to, you know, a bunch of career, uh, accolades or, um, accomplishments. But I definitely think that, um, you know, people, I don't think that people should strive for that. I mean, it's great that it happened. Um, but I, I see people who will always say to me, like, I really want to get on this show. I really want to be seen over here. I really want, and it'll always be like different things that, um, it'll always be different things that they, um, that they want to, uh, show and be seen for instead of like doing the work and focusing on that first, um, as a, as a way to bring, awareness about what you're doing. So then people can acknowledge you later. And so I think, um, the most important thing is if you're doing these things, if you are, you know, doing work that's changing the world in whatever way that is, whether that's, you know, being a parent, whether that's, you know, a business person, whether that's, you know, writing books, whatever you're doing, um, in the world, then you will like these things come as a result of all of the work you put in, you create this vacuum that attracts a lot of um, people and attention versus you having to go seek the attention for something that you're not really actually committed to doing, if that makes sense. Build it and they will come. That's right. So, that's not my quote, but <laughs> it's my, <laughs> it's, it's the mantra I repeat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Be prolific in whatever way that makes sense for you, whether yeah. that's your blog, your podcast, your book, your you're singing, you know, whatever it is, just be out there making content and do what you love. And I do believe that when you're authentic about it and you're consistent, that's really mm -hmm. key that, um, people come to you when you are out there sharing your advice and talking about all things wellness, Latham, what sort of financial topics come up as you listen to your community and women, like what problems do you see yourself tackling or, or issues that seem to be coming up over and over again when it comes to mothers and money? Okay. This is a great question. And, um, there are so many deep rooted issues around money with women. Um, and I want to talk about from the service provider end of things, because this is where I see it the most. Um, so for those who aren't familiar with um, the background that I come from in the world of uh, women's health and particularly around birth, birth doulas are essentially like coaches who help get you through the birth process. Um, they don't deliver the baby, but they provide emotional support and um, liaise between the doctor and the families. And um, the role that they play is really a significant one. 
and it's one that is relegated into the care provider category. What happens um, with people who are in the health and wellness fields, traditionally speaking, if we're looking at people who do massage therapy or teach yoga or birth doulas, for instance, there are so many of them who are broke, who are considered um, or consider themselves like constantly hustling paycheck to paycheck, even though they could be working so hard and attending so many births or working with so many clients, they can't get ahead. And the issue is around the self-worth, the value of time, and this this sort of um, interesting archetype around like the earth mother giver type uh, person, right? So the person who presides over the birth of the mother, having this kind of like hippie dippy kumbaya energy and like, oh, money, don't worry about it. Or, you know, like not wanting to charge, you know, this kind of energy is so pervasive, this, this kind of thinking. And so I know so many people who like don't get paid or who like, you know, don't have contracts or, I mean, people reach out to me even on like Instagram furnish mm. and they'll be like, Hey, I, um, and they'll tell me stuff and I'm like helping them troubleshoot on like a DM. And I'm like, you need to, first of all, like schedule some time with me, but also like, this is not how you do this. Like if you're trying to be in business, like people who will say, Oh, I have this client and, or I was trying to get this woman and I was going to do it based off of you know, her using, a t- using me as a testimonial. And I was like, yeah, but d- are you just starting? And they're like, no. I'm like, so why are you, u- why are you doing that? Oh, well, because she's a celebrity. I was like, so why aren't you charging her? I don't right, know. Yeah. She has money. She can pay. So like, so things like this, where there's just this really like this, this, this very weird, um, understanding of like how to value your time, your energy and like your skill sets. So So my biggest um, commitment, I think, in this space and to women, you know, who are in the field that I'm in particularly, is to help uh, reframe this. Like we were probably the first in, um, you know, the birth space charging what we charge for, for doulas, for like master doulas. And then, um, and now we're figuring out a way to automate a lot of the process that doesn't need to be, doesn't need to involve humans. And then the part that involves humans really make sure that that's the best use of the people's time that have to deliver that experience because so much time gets eaten away that does not get accounted for and people end up working for pennies. So if you think about like a birth can be, you know, some birth can be like 20 minutes, could be four hours, could be four days. It depends. Right. And so if you're charging one price for an experience that you have no control over how long and how, and how it goes and what the experience is, whether you're going to be sleeping on the hospital floor for three days, whether you're going, you know, like you can't, like you have to charge for that. So I think that, um, this is an area that needs a lot of work and this is an area dominated by women, um, who women career professionals in the space that have not yet harnessed their power around the money question. And so that's really, um, that's an area I think like really needs work. So moms who have babies who are so moved by their births, want to get into the doula business and they have the same challenge. Um, 
So I, I think it's just like, it seems to me like it's a thing with, um, with women who feel a, a conflict around doing the work and wanting to offer something that they feel is so deeply spiritual that they can't wrap their head around charging for it, even though like you can't pay your bills off of like, you know, the, the good feelings and the good vibes after a birth, like you can't, that doesn't translate into paying your rent. Right. It's hard. I mean, money, I mean, I just, I I can't, I keep thinking about what you said about, you know, not asking for money. I mean, that seems silly, but it happens. It happens to men too. I interviewed Tim Gunn. And, you know, Tim Gunn, he's like the famous Project Runway star and um, all around amazing human being. And he shared with me on this podcast, you should go back and listen to it, everybody, that when he started Project Runway, you know, he was a he was a professor at or I think head of Parsons. fashion at uh, Parsons. He wasn't familiar with TV. He wasn't familiar with reality television or production, whatever. He didn't ask for a paycheck. Excuse so me. for two seasons, Latham, he did not get paid. What? And everybody yes. else was? I, I don't know what everyone else's deal was. I'm pretty sure Heidi Klum got a paycheck. Okay, I'm pretty sure too. Pretty sure. <laughs> he just thought that he just didn't know better. He just, he had an assumption that reality TV was not because it was unscripted and because he was just being himself and he was being an expert. Like when you go on the Today Show, they don't pay you, right? right. So he's like, why would I go get paid being on any other form of television? Oh my so God, that's it wasn't until he met an agent at an event who came, an agent walked up to him and said, I like your work. Do you, who does your representation? He said, what does that mean? And he said, let's talk. And then after that, you know, the money came in. But even someone as smart and confident and accomplished and male, yes. <laughs> we often think women are the ones who don't ask, but men too. I mean, sometimes you just don't know what you're worth. And that's, yes. that's the truth of it. And you don't, and also money's a calm and awkward conversation to have. So maybe you don't, it doesn't come up, but I think that you're so spot on with that. And if there's anything that we learn is that, you know, just speak up. People usually expect to have that conversation with you, but you have to be sort of the brave and bold one to bring it up. And then definitely, uh, and then you're a winner. Latham, thank you so much. I want everyone to go and grab your book, Own Your Glow. I know your website, Mama Glow, also has advice for, for men out there too. You're expanding to all genders. And I think that's important. And we appreciate you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Latham for stopping by. All right. Two hours of sleep in 20 minutes. Go get it. Get yours. Also get Latham's book. It's called Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. Latham is on Twitter at Glow Maven and her website is mamaglow.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Listen, if you want to leave me a question for the Friday episode, you know what to do, right? Right? Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, the top right, and leave a voicemail or type in your question. And also while you're there, if you want to co-host a Friday episode with me and we can go through all the questions together, let me know right there in Ask Farnoosh and we will connect. Thanks for tuning in and I hope your day is so money. 